0: Father, we just come to you. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to you in faith that what you have begun, you will finish. I pray, Father, people will stand everywhere in faith, trusting you, putting their hope in you, that fear, as it overwhelms the world, a set of people will arise who will walk with God, who will stand there firm, and who will show the way to those who are fearful that there is a true and a living God who will never forsake his people. Who see in the end from the beginning, in whose hands our lives are secure, for His promises are true. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord, to stand firm in this hour in faith, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, as we go to the Word, I also want to. Uh, once again encourage you and tell you stick to the directions given by the government, the medical authorities, okay? Uh, be very, faith is practical, okay? And uh, the whole book of Leviticus is medical advice, okay, and practical advice. So when the government says stay away from public places, stay away unless urgent, stay away. And if you go to the public place, when you come back, first thing you do is wash your hands. Then remove your mask. Don't remove your mask and wash your hands. Wash your hands and remove your Or remove your mask, but do it. If you need to wash your hands three times, it's okay. Okay? But please, do, don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Every place. Because next week, in this interim, four days, the government moves to step two and shuts down uh we will text you if you are not on the whatsapp group give your number we will text you the message will be online okay meaning we will speak to you can will be if you have 4g or you have internet you will be able to log into the link we give you and because every church is preparing okay? every church is preparing and most place countries churches have gone online because they may make it, bring a restriction of 10 numbers or 5 numbers or whatever it is okay so be prepared for all this and be really really be practical okay because Like you hear the forwards but the problem is the problem is not with the young people. The problem is with the older generation with underlying medical conditions. You put their life into risk. If you look in US, the young people are not listening. That's why New York has curfew from five in the evening till five in the morning. Because the young people are on the roads and they are actually harming the older generation, everywhere you have seen, most of the people who have died are those who are older and, uh, because they have, and, uh, they have underlying health issues. So please, younger people, okay, you don't have to wander around, you don't have to go if you don't, S- come back, sanitize your hands, wear your mask, stay inside, okay, because this will take quite some time before it is, and it grows exponentially, like it just Like from two cases in 25 days, in Italy, it crossed over 25,000, okay? And then the whole country had to be on military curfew. You need to realize all the governments, including our government, is prepared for that. They have already given orders. If it comes, the, the army will be on the roads, blocking everything down, shutting down, where people will not be allowed to move. That's the only way this can be contained until a vaccine comes. So, be very, very practical, okay? This this flippant faith, nothing will happen to me, no. That is testing the Lord thy God, okay? That's why the devil told Jesus, jump from the temple, okay? God says, if you fall, I will hold you, not that if you jump, okay? So, don't, uh, okay, don't uh, test God by, you know, when one man gives you directions, stick to those directions, okay? Let's turn to James chapter 1. Verses 2 to 4. Yeah. Hold that. Yes. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, we know from Corinthians 13, 13 that three things, they are interlinked and they are incredibly important in God's kingdom. Most three important things in God's kingdom right now is love, faith, and hope. And then when Jesus comes, it will be love, love alone. You don't need faith. You don't need hope because you see. You don't have to hope for Hope has been fulfilled. Faith has become sight. So that's the order that is in. So we looking at All these three, and primarily we're looking at faith. Please remember, faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. Okay? Your faith is not tested, your faith cannot be trusted. So God will test your faith. And we all of us, and some of you are still there in school, college. (laughs) The tests were designed for the student. Designed for the student and not the examiner. <laughs> the test and the examination is for the student, not though the examiner corrects, it was never for him or her, it was for the student. The t- purpose of the test, so that you would know that your knowledge was true. Okay, not the examiner's knowledge. And also it was the test that opened the door for promotion. Exactly the same way or similar in the life of a believer. God knows us. God knows us. God knows the subject. He doesn't have to test us to know us. Okay? He doesn't have to test us to know us. He knows us. But we need to know. We need to know ourselves whether we are in the faith or not. Second... He needs to test us and declare the results so that the principle of justice, righteousness is upheld. So nobody will say God is unfair. Unfair He is fair. Okay, that's why God knows Sodom and Gomorrah. He knows exactly what is happening over there. But he says the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah has come to me. I'm going to check it out whether it is true or not. True or not, meaning God doesn't know who's in the end from the beginning. No. So that nobody will ever say, ever say that I was unfair in my judgment. So actually you will see in Sodom and Gomorrah, when the angels go in and Lot takes them home and their crowd comes outside, they're banging at his door. And when he tries to negotiate with them, they turn mad, they turn violent. And they strike them with blindness and they're still groping for the door. So God says, you see, I have proven my judgment is fair. So nobody will ever say in history, you were not fair. He said, you saw it. You have evidence over there. You saw the test, you saw the result, and you see the judgment. Okay. So even now, please remember that never forget the purpose of a test, of a trial. By God, intention. Now, only believers go through the test of faith. Unbelievers don't go because they don't even know. Like I told the pastors yesterday, only students who are in the school go through an exam, not the fellow who is walking on the road. First you enter into the kingdom and the tests begin. Okay, And the purpose is always intention of God as the father, the teacher is your father, is promotion and not a demotion. And please remember, the examiner... In your college, your school, board exam, but he never demoted you. You did it yourself by your answers. He just certified the results. He never actually truly demoted you. You and I did ourselves. What demoted us? Our answers. Though we blame him. Okay? It is the same in the kingdom of God. In John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus says, he who rejects me does not, and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. He says, on the day of judgment, you will be judged by what you heard. Okay, You will be heard, judged by what you heard. He says, I, I don't have to judge you. You will judge yourself. You will know your entire life. You will know everything that you heard, whether you believed or what you did. It will be very, very clear. And nobody will say God is unjust." Unfair. <clears throat> so in a classroom, let us say class 10 board exams in Telangana, maybe 500,000 students may be writing. 500,000 students writing the exam. It's a mass exam. But the exam is individual. It is personal. Though 500 students may be writing for the exam, it is it, it doesn't change the fact for you. It's a very personal exam which you are doing, though the exam is the same for 500 students, 500,000 students, okay? So please remember when God was giving them time during the time of Noah, it was a personal examination for everybody, though it was a mass judgment. It's a personal examination, okay? It's a personal exam. It's an individual test God was giving. So though we hear as a group, the test is individual. How we hear, how we receive, And how we will be judged is in each individual hand. Then we look at uh, the tests, the the reason behind the testing of faith. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. You shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. He was testing them. So test of their faith. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. He says the test was that, you heard my word, now I want to know whether you believe it and you will keep it. It's as simple as that. Okay? Forty years in the wilderness. He says, it was a test. Okay? You can't say I got distracted, there was so much noise around, I couldn't hear the questions clearly. No, he said I took you to the wilderness. <laughs> That's why examination all is very silent. Very, very silent. You don't hear a sound over there. Very, very silent. It's just you cannot complain. You cannot complain. You cannot complain it was loud. I took you into the wilderness. You heard very clearly from my teacher who taught you Moses. Now, the thing is that it is a test whether you will believe it and keep it. But remember, you will see the word over there. It will show you what you is in your heart. Okay. We'll come to that later. In 2nd Chronicles chapter, or the 1st Chronicles chapter 29 verse 17, I know also my God that you test the heart. God tests the heart. Faith begins in the heart, not in the mind. It begins in the heart. If you believe in your heart. Okay. Test begins. So it's a heart. It's a heart question. Love also begins in the heart. God doesn't say love with all your mind. He says first love with all your heart. Okay. And have pleasure in uprightness. Okay? So God tests the heart and it's a test of uprightness or integrity. Okay? It's a test of integrity. It's a test of whether we believe. It's a test of integrity. It's a test of, you need to understand it's not only a test of our integrity. It's a test of whether we believe in God's integrity. That's why unbelief is a very dangerous thing. Unbelief is a very dangerous thing is that because you are actually calling God is not upright. God is not true. So it's a test of my integrity and the test of his God's integrity. Okay? And then if you come to the third one, Exodus 20, 20. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has to come to test you. That is fear may be before you. He said, so you, we see three things in Deuteronomy 8, 2 we saw about God is checking us whether we heard, whether we believed or whether we will obey what we heard. In Chronicles 2017, we are seeing that God is testing our uprightness, whether we believe in God's uprightness and He's testing our integrity. And in 2020, God is testing us. What is He testing? He's actually testing. Do we have the fear of God? One of the tests He does is do we have, when God says something, that's one of the most dangerous things in the last days, climate, In the world and in the kingdom of God. You will see in Noah's time and you will see in Lord's time and you will see the Canaanite culture. There is no fear of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, when Noah is told this, okay? By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things, not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Okay? When he heard this, divinely warned of things, not yet seen, moved with godly fear. We have been given so many warnings in the Bible, including what is happening now. This forwards of Psalm 91 doesn't work. Though Psalm 91 is true and the God of Psalm 91 is true. That's why it's telling the pastors. Psalm 91 just don't casually go through. Psalm 91 makes it very clear. One place and one place alone is safe. That's a secret place. Okay, that's a secret place, the shadow of the Almighty. It's a secret place. The question is, do we know what the secret place is? Are we in the secret place? As all these things that has been happening now for two and a half months causing us to move to the secret place. And Jesus said very clearly what is the secret place. He says when you pray in secret, when you give in secret, when you fast in secret. Has our prayer life changed because of what is happening? If not, we have missed what is happening. We have missed the message behind the event. If not, because this will go after a few months. And God is using this only for his people to move into that secret place. Change your prayer life. Change the way you read the word. Change the way you spend time before God. Change it. Let this change you. And you know, like somebody send a forward, March 14th was uh, uh, sorry, February 14th was Valentine and March 14th was Quarantine. Quarantine is very good for the believer. Excellent for the believer. No? God says, this is what you wanted, no? You always say, I off with the five day week, three day week, four day. He says, it's a seven day chutti. Se kam karlo. Will you sit at home and spend time? No? Spend time? Or is it happening like the news that came in from China? Quarantine and divorce rate went up. Because all these days, husbands and wives never talked. Now they are forced to talk and they don't like each other. So divorce, everybody is applying for divorce from quarantine, online. So you are forced to spend time with God and you really like, you really realize, you know what, I don't like this. That's what God is talking about. Actually, when they, see, the first quarantine in the world was the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. And by the end of 40 years, they were absolutely disliked God. They didn't like God at all. They all died without God. Okay. Quarantine itself does not make you go to God. Epidemics, plagues and all doesn't make you to go. They went through all of that. Epidemics, plagues, everything they saw in Egypt, they saw in the wilderness. None of them changed their heart. Okay. So please learn these lessons like just you reading Psalm 91 over your life is not going to change unless you believe, unless you really believe you're standing steadfast in faith and it is moving you into the secret place, then it's a very, very powerful, absolutely. Otherwise, you are like the word of faith uh, preachers. You only speak, you don't believe and you don't walk. So you will see in Hebrews 7, godly fear. In Genesis 20, verse 11, when Abraham actually lies to Abimelech about Sarah and when he's asked, why did you do that? Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. Because a fear of God, lack of fear of God, causes people to do a lot of stuff. Okay, This cringing fear when you see thunder and lightning and judgment and punishment is not what God is talking about. It's a genuine fear of God that is consistent in your life. Which has got to do with knowing God, is also the judge of all flesh. Okay, In Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham offers Isaac as a sacrifice and God stays his hand, what God tells him is that, he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for I know that you fear God. He didn't say, I know that you love me. He says, I know that you fear me. Because so God says, he will test the heart. He will test the heart. First, do we really believe? Second, our integrity of our heart. Third, whether we really do fear him or not. Fear him or not. And fourth is Jeremiah 17 and verse 10 where God says, The Lord search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. He says, I test so that I can reward you. Promote you or demote you? I test. And we know every exam has only two results. Either you are promoted or you are demoted. So he says, I test you that I can promote you or you are demoted. And in James chapter 1 verse 12 talks about eternal promotion. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, trials, testing, temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love. Okay, so please keep this in mind. Our love will be tested, our faith will be tested, our hope will be tested. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken, because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So you know everything is being shaken. Financial world is being shaken like crazy. Medical systems, our entire infrastructure of the first world, they call themselves the first world, crumbled under the weight. Italy's medical infrastructure just crumbled under the weight. Financial, governments, every system is being shaken. God says, you will know, you will know. You are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Okay, so... All this when it is being tested, love is being tested, faith is being tested, hope is being tested. Be very, very clear the difference between in the world and in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, all these three is connected to a person. Person. The person of God. Why is, if your faith is not growing stronger and stronger in the person, Or you detach faith from the person or love from the person and hope from the person. It just becomes an ideology. It just becomes an ideology. It just becomes a religion. And both ideology and religion has the power to kill and not to save. Okay. Remember this. It's connected always connected to a person. For this to be real in kingdom terms, it has to be connected to a person. So 14 years of slavery for Jacob looks like a few days because of his love for Rachel. For Rachel. Okay? You have to look at that. Faith also has to be connected to the person of Jesus Christ. I have this issue with word of faith. It's not that everything they preach is wrong. A lot of stuff they preach is true, but the problem is they detach the person of Jesus Christ from it. The actual person. And it basically is tuned to your own self, which it becomes very, very dangerous. Okay. So please remember, it's an examination of faith. It's a test of our faith. And when a test happens, only you know your lack of knowledge. Okay. the test is actually a test of your lack of knowledge of the person, the ways of the person, who this person like, Like I said, faith is not the test of your knowledge of your word. Faith is the test of the knowledge of the God of the word. How will you really know him? Because you can know the whole scripture, the whole testament like the Pharisees, and not know Jesus at all or God at all. Okay? Whether our trust is centered on God. So lack of faith also will be apparent. Like I said, Romber, the, the, the first word we noticed was heart. Because trust also, faith means trust basically, begins in the heart, not so much in the mind. And it grows as our knowledge of the person increases. It begins with the person, trust in a person, faith in Jesus Christ, and it keeps on growing as we grow in the knowledge. That's where Paul says, St. Peter says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. In John chapter 2 and verse 11, the disciples had just started walking with them, a few of them. Scripture says, This beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glories. And his disciples believed in him. They don't know him really well. They just started following him. But they see the first exhibit of his power. Okay. So it's called a sign. They saw the sign and they believed in his power. Okay. This man is not only a good man. He's a powerful man. Started believing. Okay. So please remember that is not enough. Even demons believe in the power of God. But they do not believe in the person of God. Okay. Do you believe? That's what James says. Good. Even the demons do. And they? tremble. Okay. They don't believe in the person of God. They believe in the... They know the power of God. So, remember last week's and pastor's conferences, all we looked at it and you will see. If you take a typical crowd that followed Jesus, you could divide the crowd into three. There was the crowd... There was the Pharisees and there were the disciples. Three. If you look at the crowd that came out of Egypt and wandered in the desert for 40 years, there were three. There was the crowd and there was the Pharisees, that is Korah, Dara, Nathan, Abiram and the 350 plus Moses, uh, Miriam and Aaron till a point of time. And then there were Moses and the two, two Joshua, two disciples and the next generation who will follow. So this through. And you will always see Jesus saying, "The secrets of the kingdom is given to you and not to them." So the crowd could ask a question, or crowd could follow him, and he will turn around and be sound nasty. The Pharisees could ask a question, and Jesus would answer the disciples. It's like it's like it's like being rude, no? Like imagine Doctor Richard asked me a question and I answered Sammy. You will see that the Pharisee asked a question, Jesus answers the disciples. The crowd will ask us, he will answer to the disciples. He will not he will talk to them in a way they will not understand. No? He does not explain it to them. Okay, so please remember. Because why? But the crowd, the Pharisees and the disciples, all three what is common, they are exposed to the power of God, which will not generate lasting faith. Only when you are exposed to the person of God, you generate lasting faith. Power, everybody is exposed. From the time you go to sleep to morning, everything is showing the power of God. This is, God says, the whole creation is exhibiting the power of God. That should draw you to the person of God. That does not happen. What happens in the Gentile world is they turn around and started worshipping the power. Worshipping the power. They start worshipping the power and they don't see the person. Okay, So please, all things we know in Exodus 33 and verse 13 to 14. We know this very well. Therefore I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you, that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Everything is connected to that. He says, I have found your sight, teach me your way. That I might know you, okay. And God says my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now he's, see this is a, this is a very intelligent man, like Paul. Very, he understood. If you have to know a person, you have to know his ways. You have to know a verse. And you will never know a person's ways unless you walk with that person. Otherwise you will never know his person. And the disciples put their trust in him, disciples, because when the disciples start following Jesus, the first question he asks is, what do you seek? Power of person. Basically, that's the underlying question. What are you seeking? Power of person. And the disciples say, where do you stay? He says, come. They say, we are seeking you. They have not seen a single exhibition of power, but they are seeking the person. Okay, So he says, show me your ways that I might know who you are. God is very happy. He says, you know what? My presence will go with you. For somebody's presence to go with someone, the person has to be going with that person. It's not perfume. It's a presence. God does not say, my perfume will go with you. God says, my presence will go with you. Person is going with it. Honestly, as you walk with persons, that's what happened in China. The report is very true. People have been married for years together, but they never walked with each other. They never spent time with each other, you know. And then suddenly quarantine comes and they're, this is the one I married? Really? This is the one I lived with so many years. I wanna, I, I wanna get out. I wanna get out. Okay? And the problem is people can be within the four walls of a church or a Christian home and never really have really known God because they never sought God for Himself. They always looked at God as a troubleshooter. You know, when I am in trouble, when I am in trouble, help me, and now I am out of my trouble, stay. Okay, please. That's why Psalm 103 and verse 7, scripture says, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts, meaning He showed His presence to one and power to the other. The people never knew the presence of God. They never knew Him as a person. and Because they did not know Him as a person, they fell away. But a man who knew the presence of God, the power never bothered him at all. He didn't follow God for the power. He followed God for the presence. So, he, technically, if you speak, he finished his race. If you come to Hebrews chapter 3 and from verse 9 what's very familiar passages. Let's go back over and over again. Where your fathers tested me. I was testing them. They were testing me. Your fathers tested me and not only me, they tried me. After what? They saw my works for 40 years. It didn't matter they saw my power being exhibited every day of their life for 40 years. They still tested me. They did, still didn't try, believe in me. They still didn't. See, so either you trust or you trust. So, fathers will tell the children, don't test my patience. Don't test my patience. Okay, but the fellow knows my father has got long patience, so he is trusting in his patience. (laughs) Okay? He knows how much he can go, he knows he can. Okay? God is saying, you tested me, you tried me, though you saw my works. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. Why? They went astray in their hearts. They went astray in their hearts, and then they have not known my, they never understood me. They never understood me. They never understood me. So what did I swear? I swore something. I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into mine. What does it mean? My presence shall go and you shall have. They will never know me as a person. They will not know me as a person. They will know my power. They will not know me as a person. And because they will not know I am a person, they will, know, they will not know what it is to dwell in the presence of the Lord. And because of that, they will never have rest. Every new epidemic comes, it is panic. Because they don't have the presence of God to be sustained. Because this will only increase. This is just the beginning. It's only increasing. Okay? It's only increasing. Like I told the pastors yesterday. Okay, it's good. What government has said is absolutely wonderful. What is that? Wash your hands, cover your mouth. Your face, right? But doesn't Psalm 24 says, "Who can ascend the holy hill of God? Stand in His presence. Who who has? So has that? Is that causing you to wash your hands, the other hands, your works? You saw the sign. Is it causing something else within you? Is it causing you to put a mask over your spiritual mouth? Because so Jesus said very clearly, there are two deaths: a physical death and an eternal death. It is not what what goes inside can kill you only physically. What comes out will destroy you in eternity. So, did we put that mask? Or are the signs being lost on us? Because these are all signs. Either you have to believe this is a sign, or you have to believe God is not in control. God is now detached from human reality and says, do whatever you want. I have given it to Mother Nature. No, Father God. Not Mother Nature. This is Father God in action. Okay. Okay, and you have to believe. You can't, you have to reconcile both. You can't say he's a God of love. Yes, but he's also a God of judgment. Consider the severity and the kindness of God. Goodness, both are there. Both. You cannot take one out of the character of God. Our job as preachers, we are not God's PR men. To make God look like what he is not. God doesn't wear makeup. He has exposed himself as he is in human history—the kindest and the toughest person ever possible. When it comes to upholding his righteousness and his holiness, he is the toughest. When it's coming to his mercy and kindness, he will pick out the worst rogue from the gutter if he believes in him. Both is there, okay? And the cross is the, the center point of humanity where God's righteousness and His love, His mercy, meets. It meets. Over. So. Don't under, misunderstand this. Who has not sown deceitfully? Okay, your mouth and your hands. It's a very good, uh, unlike, you know, because when uh, Dengu came, everybody bought mosquito nets. And when uh, coronavirus came, everybody bought sanitizers and masks. But we are first forgetting, forgetting. Okay, first was a visible thing. That was a tiny little mosquito brought nations into panic. Now, it's an invisible thing. So if you look, they saw his works for forty years. They went astray in his in their hearts. They never knew him as a person. They did not even long. That's what Paul is Jesus will say in a beautiful old the first, like we did. I did at my part of my PhD research on children's rhymes, and one of the way we go back and it says the oldest children rhyme ever recorded is found in the Gospels. We. Played the flute for you. We sang the dirge. The children sang in there. We tried the good message. God loves you. You didn't respond. We tried the other message. God is a God of God. You still didn't. It didn't matter to you. Still did not. You didn't respond to either message. The Good and the tough one. So they went astray in their hearts. So, if you look as an example for today in Numbers chapter 13, how we fall away from our faith, or how we allow the the the, our apparent physical issues, what we call the epidemic, or any personal trial, testing, trauma we go through, how it causes us to how it causes to reveal our faith or lack of faith. Very familiar portion. Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 to 28. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And now they departed, came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, for the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. First three verses, if you look at it, in the midst of all the possibilities, they hung on to the impossibility. That's a problem. We look at the whole picture, all the, we are also like that, we look at all the promises of God, all the things God has done and doing, and finally we say, nevertheless, COVID-19. Nevertheless, Corona will finish us all off. Nevertheless. Unlike other generations, unlike other generations, meaning unlike other people, we are the only set of people, believers, are the only set of people that plagues and epidemics are nothing new in human history. If I am right, the first four plagues that came upon Israel, upon Egypt, God allowed both to go through it. And the fifth one, if I am right, God said, I will make a distinction between them and you. Then it's only Egypt is suffering. Nothing is touching them. So we know our God is in control of epidemics, plagues, everything. We have seen it all. We have seen it all. We have seen famine through the Bible, pestilence through the Bible, epidemics through the Bible, the systems, all this we have seen. And after seeing and reading and meditating and confessing Psalm 91 over our life, we say, nevertheless. (laughs) You hold on to the impossibility, not the possibility with God. That's why God says all things are possible with God. All things are possible with him or her who believes. So we have to always concentrate. Actually, what do I believe? The problem is you have to see in light of what they are saying, in light of what God has spoken. And what they have seen. Numbers 13 and verse 2. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Which I am. Giving it to you. Good look. Okay. You don't have to see. Because what I say is true. But I know you guys don't know me. Really know me. Don't know me. I brought you all the way from Israel or from Egypt. Told you I'm taking you to land that's flowing with milk and honey and all. And you wondering, really? We thought Egypt was cat's whiskers. You think there are better places than Egypt? God says, yes. There is. No? You think the world was great? He says, I want you to, I want you to taste the kingdom. I want you to taste the kingdom, the joy of the kingdom, the peace of the kingdom. Okay? You thought the world was great, right? So do one thing. Let people go and spy it out for 40 days. But I'm already telling you, I'm giving it to you. So they have a word that is already spoken, I am giving it to you, and they have the testimony of their eyes, what he already spoke is really true, the land is really a good land, flowing with milk and honey. And then they came and said, nevertheless. God said, I give it to you, right? And they had experienced the power of God till that moment in all their victories from Egypt till here. They had experienced the power of God, but they really did not know or trust the person of God. In Numbers 23, 19, God will tell these people, God is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said? And will he not do? Or has he spoken? Will he not make it good? I said I am giving this land to you. You think I'm a liar? You think I say something and I won't do it? See, they knew the power of God, but they did not know the purpose. Why I'm telling you is that if you actually read scripture and come to the revelation to the end of time, you will see what God did and the enemy was not able to do. Like there are certain things which the enemy was not able to. Like the enemy also duplicates many of the miracles in Egypt and all that. But certain things he was not able to do. On Mount Carmel, Elijah brought fire. They couldn't do anything. Okay. In the Bible it says the enemy will bring fire from heaven. The enemy will kind of fool people by rising up from the dead. Two other things which he hasn't done so far. The only thing the enemy cannot really, really duplicate is he cannot duplicate the person of God if you know him. He can duplicate the power of God. That's why the Bible Thessalonians says he will deceive people by lying signs and wonders. Why? Because people did not receive the love of truth. The love of truth is with God as a person, God as truth, God the person of truth. So the issue here really is if you do not know the person of God, when these things happen, usually the way down is very fast. It's not gradual. It's not gradual. It's very, very fast. That's why God says, love God with all your heart. Okay? It's impossible to please God without faith. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This should be the parameters on which we work our life. Otherwise, signs of, whether it's a good sign or a bad sign, The miracle which benefited you and something terrible that is happening, both are signs from God. The Red Sea parting was a sign for Israel they went through. The Red Sea swallowing Egypt was also a sign. Ramba signs can be a good thing and a bad thing. But the signs are lost. So God will show a sign. The question is, what does the sign do to us? Does it pull us to the person of God? Otherwise the sign is lost. Scripture says about the disciples, this was the one of the first signs Jesus did and the disciples put their faith in him. They, they followed him even more closely. they getting to know the person. In Exodus chapter 3, you will see this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So that's a sign to Moses, to one man. God shows a sign. God can show a sign to an entire nation, to one person or to the whole world. Okay, the pandemic we are going through is to the whole world, it's a sign. Here, to one man. And Moses said, I will now turn aside, see this great side, why the bush does not burn. And scripture says in verse 4, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him. There's a sign. What has the sign done to you? When he moved towards the sign to know, I want to know, we use the term in English. I want to see the signifier behind the sign. Then God spoke to him. What would an average Indian do? He'll build an altar to the fire and worship the fire god. Not the person. We, that's, that's why I have issues with testimony. Because much of the testimony is celebrating just the power of God and your faith and not the person of God. I believe this. And exalt that person in whose ministry that happened. Okay, So you have to be Careful has it drawn you. Otherwise the sign is wasted. What is wasted? The sign is wasted. The sign is from God. It's a demonstration of his power. And you need to understand God is an incredible good steward of resources. His own resources. He doesn't even waste his power. That's why scientists will tell you power is never lost. It's never lost. Energy is never lost. It just change its form. Because God does not waste anything. Okay? Even signs. In Matthew 12 verses 38 and 39, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Then he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He's saying, you know what? He's literally calling them an evil generation. He says, you are just following signs. You are not interested in me as a person. You are not disciples. You are not disciples. All the signs you have seen so far hasn't made a single one of you to come closer to me. It hasn't made any difference in your life. This he doesn't say only once. He says it multiple times to the same kind of people. You look at Matthew 16 and verse 1 to 4. The Pharisees and Sadducees came now. Earlier they were polite. Now they are testing him. Asked him, "You should show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, It's evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of Prophet Jonah. And he left them and he departed. Okay. And even when he talks about the sign of Jonah, he doesn't really explain it how it's connected to him. Imagine telling about a sign and doesn't even telling you what the sign means. Okay. So you will see this is the pattern. If our faith is not in the person of God and not in the power of God, power of God has to be associated intimately with the person. Don't detach it. The person of God. What happens when trials and testing happens, either we will go up or we will go down. We will be promoted or we will be demoted. Numbers 13 and verse 31. But the men who had gone with them said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. You see, the lack of faith when the test comes, admits defeat before a single battle is fought. Already admits defeat. They haven't fought. They haven't even tested it out. Before the battle begins, they said, we surrender. (laughs) It's not I surrender all to God. I surrender all to the enemy. I give up. Okay. Even before the battle has begun, we give up. Okay. So we, half of Christendom is not getting ready to live. They're getting ready to die. Fear has taken over. Well, the psalmist says, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. What does faith do to you? What does trial to do to you? What is it doing to you? Numbers 13 and verse 32, the next words. They gave to the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Okay. First thing, they give up. Second, the bad reports begin to spread. Okay. Our testimony changes. Our testimony changes. We start testifying more and more and more and more about Corona and not Christ. More and more about Corona. Okay? Bad report. Start. The bad report starts spreading. And prevail. Away from. And the people start moving away. Then if you look at verse 33. We saw the giants. The descendants of Anna came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So were they in their sight. We start now magnifying the problem. And the problem becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they become smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. The problem is, okay, if a Gentile becomes smaller and smaller. But the problem is when Christ become, Christian becomes smaller and smaller, Christ also becomes smaller and smaller because I and you have no identity apart from him. God has put his name on Israel. So, in Israel becomes small, God becomes small. When we got baptized, our identity was submerged in Him. We have no identity separate from Him. So, even whether we live or die, we have to live or die as a conqueror. Death doesn't scare us. That's so, why Paul says, if I live or die, it, both is gain. So, the way a believer actually confronts epidemics and plagues and all this, his attitude is completely different because he knows he cannot be defeated. Why? Because Christ cannot be defeated. Christ is a man of war. From age to age, he has never lost the bond. That's what the Bible says. He takes us continuously in triumph in Christ Jesus. In death or life, we are victorious. That's why people are always amazed in scripture and in Christian history when Christians died. The way they died, fearlessly. Because nobody dies like that. Because if you look at Romans chapter 6 verses 3 to 5, this is our identity. So do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death? Not only his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Resurrection. I was telling the pastors uh, on Saturday an example, like I said, it was 1998, I cannot remember, I think it was 1998 in Assam, when uh, Tendulkar was playing, uh, I can't say India was playing Australia, because India did not play, Tendulkar played (laughs) Australia. It was in Sharjah, and the storm hit, The game had to be stopped, then the sand settled, and he came. He single-handedly took us to the semi-finals, and he took us to the finals. And I am sitting like the edge of my seat. (sighs) Lord, interceding for such a... Lord, Lord, please, please, Lord, please, Lord, let him not fall, let him not fall. And he took us. Even till today, when I really, really want to chill, I go back to that old match and watch it. But today, if you see me watching, I'm relaxed. I am not tense. You know why? Because I know India won. So there is no tension at all now watching the same match. I remember how I watched the first time and I watched every subsequent time. Earlier it was tension, excitement at the end. Now it is excitement through it all. Why? Because you have seen the end. We are the only set of people who have seen the end from the beginning. Only set of people. And God says, I expect your reaction to be different. We know the end of the book. We know the end of the story. We know. We know. God says, I expect you to react differently whether in life or whether in death. You will live victoriously, you will die victoriously. You will die singing. You will die interceding for others, not for yours. Lord have mercy on me. No, Lord have mercy on my murderers. I know, I am, I already know I am a man who has received mercy. Now I am pleading for my killers. That's what God is trying to tell. Here, what happens? The bad report spreads. Christ gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then 14 1. Chain reaction. So the whole congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. What is the order of the day and night? Weeping. Weeping is good as long as it is over sin and unbelief. Lord. I believe, help my unbelief. (laughs) Lord, save me. (coughs) Pulled him out. All that cry is good. But this weeping is different. This weeping is poor me. Poor me. See, that's, that's why you have to understand, in this society, there are certain sets of people who are categorized and put down. In the kingdom of God, those people cannot complain. In the society who are the lowest, like, you know, who de- deserves sympathy and pity, orphans and widows. Not in the kingdom of God. To so the widow, God says, I'm your spouse. To The orphan, God says, I'm your father. So it says, if you are an orphan in the kingdom of God, walk differently. You got a father in heaven, which the others who have fathers don't have. Walk differently as a widow. The other widow has a husband who troubles her day and night. You have a husband who loves you. If you come from a society demarcated lower caste into the kingdom of God, you are casteless. You belong to a holy nation and a royal priesthood. So these excuses do not work with God. Does not work with God. God says this is all a test of it. What do you really believe? What is your identity? What do you really believe? So weeping. Whole congregation is weeping. Through the night, they are weeping. Poor me, poor me, poor me. You see, the fall is very fast. If you look, there is a, there is a pattern that is happening with them. And if you look at the core of it, all this is happening because they did not know the person of God. And they never sought the ways of God. They experienced His power, but they did not experience His presence because they never sought it. Okay. And verse two. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and complaining and murmuring began. Okay, you see this is a procedure. Weeping, poor me, complaining, murmuring against God and the leadership who stood with God. The pattern that is going on, now they (laughs) are complaining. Eforely. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness. What do you say today? You start having suicidal thoughts. You are thinking of ending your life because of your misery. The outwardly nothing has really changed. Has God changed? Has His promises for you changed? No, you are reading your situation, looking at your outward circumstances, you are suicidal. You want to take your own life. That's what I'm saying. We wish we had died. She had died. Do you struggle with suicidal thoughts? Do you struggle with depression? Is anything too difficult for God? Think. Learn from this pattern what happens of faith in the person of God. Person of God. We will say that, you. but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. But says, doesn't God know? I may not know. True. But doesn't God know? The God is going to push you over the rock or the devil is going to push you over the cliff. Doesn't he say a smoking flax he will not put off a bruised reed? he's how gentle he is with people. He knows how you are, what pressure you are facing, and is very gentle. So murmuring goes to death wish, suicidal thoughts and verse three. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? It would be better for us to return to Egypt. Now what is it? From there to victim mentality. Now they are no longer victors. We are all victims. So victims, conversation is, I wish I was born another home, another family, another country. I wish the color of my skin was white and not Oh, I wish I had more money. I wish I had gone to this English medium convent school. I wish. Victim mentality begins. I wish. People start feeling like victims and not like victors. You know why again? Because they do not know the person of God. We wish. He is trying. He already planned to lead them to victory. But what do they see themselves as? Victims. In spite of all our shortcomings, all of our failings, and all of our sins, God only wishes his children to win. Because he is a father. It's a father. He's not your teacher who's mad at you. He's the father who cares for you. It's like Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I went full. I've come back empty. It's not true. It's not true Naomi. You goofed up. Your husband goofed up. You are believers. You took your children over there. You destroyed their lives also. And now God is showing you mercy. Harvest has come back to Bethlehem. He's actually brought you back to redeem you. But you're not, you're still walking in that victim mentality. He's brought you back to redeem you. And you are not able to see it. It is a victim mentality. Why did you? He has brought us here. They are questioning the integrity of God. Verse 3. Again. Would it not better for us to return to Egypt? Now, inside, they want to go back. Outwardly, we sit in church. Inside, we go back. And because the restrictions have... It's like you have to read the comments about quarantine places and all. People saying, I'm ready for 30 days. I bought my provisions, I bought my water, I've stocked it, and I got Netflix. 30 days I'm going to watch all my favorite movies. I am going back. So what do we do? We sit in church, we look good, but when we are in the privacy of our house, we go back. We watch the world. We go back and start dreaming that those things of the world it was better in Egypt. It was better in Egypt. We go back. See, they are considering going back to Egypt. This is too much, this spiritual battle. You know what Peter says in 2nd Peter chapter 2? Yeah, 2nd Peter chapter 2, 20. Got it? So, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not by the power. It's not by the power. Power is secondary by knowing the person of Jesus Christ. Knowing the person of Jesus Christ, that's how you come out of sin. That's why David could come out of sin and Saul could not. Saul could not come out because he had only experienced the power of God. He was never interested in the person of God. David had experienced the power and the person. So when he fell, he jumped back. He always could come back because the person of God drew him back. It's not the power of God. you getting it? what he's saying? And all that savior. They are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit as so having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Tough words, okay, but Don't start reading it and start judging yourself. That's you. Nobody has reached that. You wouldn't be here if you had reached that. But the question is, how do you escape? It's by knowing the person of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Power of God is something else. Jesus can cast the demon out of a person. But after that, the person has to choose to walk with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you go out, demon will come back. Demon looks and says, you are empty, you are not full. The power that released you and caused that place to be empty and clean was not filled with his presence. What do you fill that empty place with? With presence. If you don't fill it with the presence of God, the enemy will fill it with his presence. All kind of negative thoughts and suicidal thoughts and depression, discouragement, all dreams about the world and that's what is happening over there. They want to go back. And verse Four, let us elect another leader. They said to one another, let us select a leader and return to. So what kind of a leader are they looking for? They are looking for a leader who will take them back to the world from which they escaped. They want a leader, but they want a leader not like Moses. Moses will take them forward, further and further, further into the land of promises. This fellow will take you further and further back to the life that you left. Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul's warning to Timothy. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Don't change your doctrine. It's not about the world, it's about the kingdom of God. Why? For time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves. Yes, it will stop being the kingdom of God. It becomes a democracy. You choose your own leaders according to your desire. What did they say? Let's select a leader who will take us back to Egypt. So what happens? Because you have autonomy over the internet, you start listening to messages which takes you back to the world. This is God's will for you. And they will tell you, this is God's will for you. Go back to the world. Prosper in the world. Your best life now. It's a message of hope. Like I said, the worst opportunity U.S. wasted was nine First few weeks, churches were packed. You know what they did? They gave them such as such a sloppy, watered down message saying God loves you and God instead of telling repent, this is judgment upon the nation. Get your act together. You know, instead of surgery, what did they do? They put band-aid and sent them. Now second one is coming. How many nations do we have this affle- affle- affected already? 169. Only one national leader called for a day of prayer. Last Sunday was a day of prayer for America by President. Not a single nation asked for the help of God. Many of them forwarded messages by saying doctors are gods. Gods have failed, now doctors are gods. See? Now what in Jeremiah 811? For they have healed the hurt of my daughter, of my people, slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Very lightly. Very lightly. Peace, peace. (laughs) Peace. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God understands. They are doing the same thing. And you see, in the last days, what did God say? They will again preach the same message. They will say, peace and safety, when sudden destruction comes. And he's telling, Paul is telling Timothy, please, no. I mean, you know, you know. <laughs> the doctor who loves you is the one who tells you the truth, not who flatters you. They look for a faithless leader who take them back to Egypt. 1 John 5.4 says, Faith, whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith, Supposed to overcome the world and not the world overcome faith. They are looking for a leader who will take them back to Egypt and not the other way. Okay. And verse 10. You see how it slowly moves. Verse 10. Then all the congregation set to stone them with stones. Now they are turning violent. Realize, read it very carefully. There's a a downward spiraling that is taking place. Now they're turning violent. They want to turn they want a stone, Moses and Aaron. Forgotten everything. You know why they are doing all this? They're doing all this because they do not know the person of God. They have no clue about the person of God. They have no clue. Now they are turning violent. John chapter 8, verse 59. They took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. In the first place, when they picked up stones, scripture says the glory of God came and covered that place, stopped it. Jesus hid. He's such a humble, meek God. Glory of God did not come and separate. He just hid himself. But the reaction of the crowd is the same. Has Moses and Aaron done any harm to them? No. Has Jesus done any harm to them? violent. Now it's becoming violent, okay, the reaction. How is it when these things go? Are you getting angry? Inside, are you getting angry? I mean, we don't do violent, not because of God, because of the cops. Okay, Law and order. Otherwise, no. So God is asking, are you getting angry? Mad when these things happen? I didn't sign up for this. When I accepted Jesus, this was not part of the deal. You're getting angry? Are you getting upset? You see the order they are moving towards? Violence. And Ultimately, they will attract God's wrath. Verse 37, 39. Yeah, 11, 12. <coughs> then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? So they are rejecting me. How long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with but nobody wants pestilence to be a sign. Whether it is from Wuhan or anywhere, it is a sign. It's a sign. <coughs> and if it is specially from Wuhan, it's a bigger sign. You know why? Every time God judged in the Bible, it was the east wind. It's an east wind. Is not a north wind. So the eastern blessings came from the north and judgment came from the east. Okay, so this is from the east. East. It's from the east. And man departed from God towards the east. Cain went towards the east. And further Christian people have moved to the east. Have you noticed? It's more hardened, more whichever way. Very resistant to the gospel. Further east. We are very lucky in the east to have accepted Christ. And Christ accepted us. Eastern people, the further they have gone east, it's very, very hardened. Very, very hard. You look at Japan, the most prosperous nation in the world. You think there is one person who believes? No. The gospel-resistant nation. It is Mao who brought uh, half of China to Christ. That persecution had to come before they surrendered. Further you go east, it is demonic. Demonic. The powers of Satan rules over eastern nations. So if it is this part of east, it is snake. That part all it is a dragon, openly, openly. The two names he has, the snake and the dragon, openly. And that is the festival that is all celebrated with the snake and the dragon. So Very open. But we need to realize we are very, very grateful, Lord, out of the snake's mouth you delivered us. Okay, so he says, it will attract God's wrath. <coughs> I will strike them with pestilence. And disinherit them and will make you a nation greater, mightier. Then let's give you, like, to talking to Moses. And then further down, did I give you? 37, 39? Yeah, Matthew 20, 23. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills prophets and stones, those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather you children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. He also tells the same thing. How much I wanted to cover you. And protect you and keep you. But you won't accept my word. So I have to leave you into the hands of the Romans. They will destroy you. Top to bottom. Jerusalem will be destroyed. <coughs> okay. Numbers fourteen, verse thirteen onwards, you will see the man of God intercedes. And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptian will hear it, for by your might you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell to the inhabitants of this land, they have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face. Your cloud stands above them. You go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring these people to the land which he swore to them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. You know what he does? He... Man of God intercedes because he knows the person of God and because he knows the person of God is very zealous for God's name and reputation. Hallowed be thy He is very zealous for the name of God. God says, he says, look Lord, I know you understand all that, but excuse me that let me explain to you. I am from Egypt. I lived 40 years of my life in Egypt. You do this, I know what they will talk about you. Doesn't look good on you. Doesn't look good on you. Okay. Doesn't look good on you. And then in verse 17. And now I pray, let the power of my God be great, just as you have spoken. Okay, he appeals to his power. You are a powerful God. You said all these things. But please, I'm telling you, don't use your power to judge your people, destroy your people. Because people will talk about it. And then verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering, abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but He who by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children with the third. He's He says, Lord, I'm upholding both your love and your, and your judge, your righteousness. Your mercy and your righteousness. I will not change the order. You're a loving God and you're a righteous God. You're a loving God and a righteous God. But, verse 19, Pardon the iniquity of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. I'm not appealing to your righteousness now. You are right to judge them, but please. Deal with them according to your mercy. Deal with them according. Because our prayers have to, this confession of faith doesn't matter. You have to stand in the gap. Stand in the gap when the epidemic comes and say, Lord, please show mercy. Please show mercy, Lord. Let not, let them not die without knowing you. Let them not die in their sins. Please, no? And Moses, Aaron, remember when the plague wave after wave after people were dying before the Lord? He stood there, Aaron stood there and made atonement. He literally stood in the middle of death. And death stopped. They were dying. He stood there. Moses couldn't make atonement because he was a high priest. Aaron, I, Aaron has the high priest like Jesus' role. He stood there and stopped death in its track. God is saying, you know, but don't change the message. Okay. Don't change the message because if you change the message, nobody will want mercy. Why do you want mercy if there is no judgment? You know? And verse 20 to 23 as we stop. God relents to one man's voice. One man stood in the gap. And God relents to his voice. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to test now these ten times. I have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Now what he is saying? He condemns. He doesn't destroy them, but he judges them to a life of wandering. Wandering. Do you know how many tens and thousands of actual believing Christians are wandering? They have ex- ask them. They have experienced his signs. They have experienced his power. They have experienced their wonders. They know the power of the hand of God. They all have testimonies, but you ask them, are you walking with God? Have you reached your destiny? Are you fulfilling your calling? No. Their lives are just circles. They are wandering. He judges them in his mercy. Not to Egypt to go there and die. But he says, he will not fulfill my plan and my purpose for you. Okay, He had told that. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. By the renewing of your mind, you shall know what is the good, pleasing and the perfect will of God. Fulfill your purpose and grace will be given. Faith will be there according to your faith and according to your grace, fulfill your call. This set of people never fulfilled anything. They just wandered. The problem is, they were neither neither promoted nor demoted. We have a third word in English in school. They were detained. In the same class. For 40 years. years. (laughs) You know that can happen? When I was in class 1 in Bhutan, the guy sitting next to me was 21 years old. Because they don't chuck you out of school. It's government schools. He had sat in that same class for so many years. When I reached class 1, he was 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just a new school. Just a new school. And my father was the principal. So he checked his sister said, you 21. And this boy 5. You are sitting together. Next year, he sent him to the army. So, class 1, he joined the army. Because he would never finish class 1. He would never pass. Okay? This is the children of Israel. 40 years. Not demoted to e- Egypt. Not promoted to the promised land. They were detained in the desert. Okay? That's a good title, right? <laughs> promoted, devoted, <laughs> or detained. Okay? That's a good title. Eh? So, no, please don't wander. All you young ones. Don't get fooled. Don't get fooled why all these things should make you go and spend more time with God. Spend time. Simple. Okay, simple. This is not complex, farcical prayers and all. Simple prayers. No, God loves that simplicity of the heart. Right? You can't, you can't, um, what? Impress God with your prayers. You can't impress me. I will say, wow. Did you look at that one praying? I didn't know she knew so much. He knew so much. No. You can impress me. You can't impress God. Okay. You can, you can't impress God. So you need just in the simplicity of heart, go to, to Him and talk to Him as a father. You know, when your child comes to his father or mother, God, they don't want KJV. <laughs> Tell me in simple language what you want. Don't, what is one of the things fathers father and mothers said, don't beat around the bush. Tell me what you want okay, tell me what, that's why I said, don't, don't do this thing like pagans do, no pagans, because my problem is, I believe in Psalm 91, absolutely, my problem is, don't make Psalm 91 into a mantra, don't make it into a mantra, that's what pagans do, they make it into a mantra, morning they begin with one mantra, then afternoon another mantra, they have mantras, and we also have selectively picked up portions from the bible and left the rest of the bible and we have made those into mantra and god does not god is not fooled though every word you say is true it is true but the question is is it true for you and me okay true okay let's pray father we just come to you lord we just stand once again putting our trust in you lord we just, all we can say every day, every moment, when we see all these things happening, even more we can say is, Lord, thank you, thank you for Jesus. Oh, Lord, so many have died, Father. So many have died. You have seen, Lord, in the kingdom, outside the kingdom, people are dying. The first one to die in Malaysia was a pastor, young pastor, Lord. Pastors are dying. Congregation is dying. Gentiles are dying. The play comes. There is no separation now. You are not making a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous right now, Lord. Because this is a warning to everyone, both to the church and to the world. The church it is to get their act right. Get back into your closet. Get back into the word. Seek my ways. Walk in my presence. To the world, you have only one message. Don't die in your sin. Repent and believe. And even if you die, you shall love. No man has to fear death anymore. Because Jesus has conquered death. And I pray, Father, We will not fear the time and the season like this. But everyone will quarantine themselves. They don't need government guidelines. Quarantine themselves spent with you. They will lock themselves with you and spend even more time in your presence so that when this plague is over, they will come back and come out with even more purpose and even more clarity And determination to serve you, Lord. Because in this interim period, while the plague is floating around, we would have known your ways even more better, Lord. That we could be able to say, looking back one day, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for our good. I know him better now, after the plague is over. Like Job could say after the plague was over in his life. My ears had earlier heard about him. But now in the midst of this pestilence. And through this pestilence. My eyes have seen him. Let it be every believer's testimony Lord. Let one more sign not be wasted on us. Thank you. Thank you Father. Thank you Lord. Once again I plead the blood of Jesus over the church. Everyone present, absent around the world. Our churches. Leaders, families, especially the older generation in our churches, Lord, who have underlying health problems. We look at the facts, but we lift up your truth. And I pray, Lord, especially them. When you stretch your wings over your people, let the oldest among us find shelter close to your breast, Lord. Cover them closest, Lord. Because they need you more than anybody else, oh Lord. Because fear is striking their hearts more, O oh God. Therefore, they need to be held closer than anybody else, oh Lord. The youngest and the oldest among us. Cover them, Lord, with your wings. Cover all, Father. Let them find that safe place. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And I pray this will bring forth the awakening in the U.S. too, Lord. One Christian nation left on earth. That they will truly believe what they have written in all their dollar notes, Lord. That in God we trust. The banking may fail. But let them believe in the God who never fails, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.